Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On this week's podcast, is the Stanford Notre Dame winner a real playoff contender? Ohio State heads to Happy Valley the best and worst game day environments in the Big Ten, and what have you done to prepare for Squirrel NATO? I'm Dan Wetzel, joined by Pat Forty and Pete Thamel. Two monster games this weekend with, dare I say, playoff implications. Number four, Ohio State visits number nine, Penn State, and number eight, Notre Dame hosts, Number seven, Stanford. Both are. Yeah, all right, Dan, that's fine. We'll get to the football in a minute here, but we've got to address your glaring absence from the Overreaction Monday podcast, uh, leaving Pete and I to fend for ourselves while you were off furthering your uh, reign of terror on in youth soccer <laughs> in Michigan. We're overreacting yeah. to your absence. <laughs> Yes. Congratulations on your daughter's championship there. But not only did you abandon us for that, for more gut stomping of other children, but you uh, there are reports that you were drinking craft beer in Kalamazoo. Can you confirm or deny? We're going to get to football, but I do want to apologize to the listeners because clearly the quality of the show was noticeable. (laughs) Um, So sorry about that. But you got through your Monday. Second, I just uh, first of all, reports. I told you the report was from me to you in a text message. What, <laughs> what are you doing? And I, I try to cover my sources. Okay, I don't okay. just out well, of I'm going to reveal this source. Yes, Dan it was Wetzel me. Was the I texted. Yes, we have each other's phone numbers. Sometimes we communicate. Okay, work together ten years. These things happen. Uh, let me just clear a couple inaccuracies in Pat's reporting, even though he had the direct source <laughs> he could have gone to. It's really terrifying to me about your other, what the dash is all about. I am not the coach of the team. I am a parent. That's it. My daughter, my, I have both daughters play soccer. My younger one, 10 years old, was playing. Coach Samantha Harrington does a great job with the girls. I am not the coach. I do not know how to coach soccer. I don't know anything. But- about soccer. You did oversee a 32 to nothing, eight and under bludgeoning. <laughs> okay, that is true, but that, and let me just get this out of the way on that. That was like a rec team. <laughs> I, we, we had no practices. Okay. <laughs> First off, it was an indoor field with hockey boards. Okay. So you had hockey boards around. So that's why the score is so high. And it was a very small, it's like six V six. And yeah, the girls are like eight. We had no practice. That was our motto. Okay. I don't, I, I, 
built the team through recruiting. And that's it. <laughs> Straight Tarkanian. If you, you guys have all seen Last Chance You, the, oh, yeah. the Netflix doc. I was Buddy Stevens of East Mississippi <laughs> Community College. Just bring in all the troublemakers in the third grade. <laughs> if you get talent, you win. There's no transcripts. We're not drug testing anybody. <laughs> Whatever the girls do. Little Lily, you can just score. <laughs> now, the 32-0 game is because there were hockey boards. You can't really tell kids that age to, like, pass it around. There's no room on the field to just kill the clock. The way they beat that, they have, like, a mercy rule where once you're up, like, five goals, the other team gets an extra player on the field. So then it's 6v7, and you can go to 6v8, 6-9. Eventually, you got so many kids out there. There's no room. Nothing's going down. I, if you think I'm the biggest jerk in this game, you're wrong. The other coach <laughs> wouldn't put anybody on the field extra. Okay. So I go, Hey, why aren't you putting anybody else on the field? He goes, my team needs to learn how to lose. <laughs> lose. He's a, he's a loser. I was like, I you're going to learn. You're going to learn. Now. <laughs> I, <laughs> so. You gladly took that yeah, opportunity I mean, to well, run it up. This is what I, this is, I, here's what I hate about you sports is the people who complain about you sports. Okay. And they go, Oh, you sports is supposed to be just fun, fun with your friends. You know, what's fun winning. Winning is fun. <laughs> you know, what's fun in soccer scoring goals. Okay. Nobody comes home from a soccer game and goes, Hey, how's the soccer game? Uh, we lost a uh, 10, zero. Uh, oh, so you didn't score? No, no, we no one scored. Was it fun? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was a blast. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're playing the game. Let's go. Let's come on. Wussification of America. They were worried about these little girls. They won't remember. They won't remember. They got a candy bar. Well, after we'll check something. with their therapist yeah. in a few years and see. Second, see I don't want to listen to, to, to Mr. Cultured's swimming parent about any of this crap. I've heard enough from you, 40. You have three kids, all collegiate swimmers, terrorizing other kids in the pools across the South. Brooke Forty never loses, destroys everyone. Did you ever go to a race, you go to a meet or whatever you guys call these things, and go, hey, Brooke, don't swim so fast because you don't want to beat the second place girl by too much. Did that conversation uh, ever occur? That did not Okay, occur. then take your 32-0. Your children- I may or may not. At one point in time, in one particularly uh, inflamed moment, have yelled it for her to beat him down in a 200 freestyle in the uh, state high school championships. But <laughs> exactly, said- exactly. So you've you have doled out 32. I mean, my daughter and her friends are not the equivalent of Brooke Forty in the talent scale. Okay, none of them are getting full rides to Stanford. How do you well, know? Well, maybe one of them. What about maybe even Couple some of the of girls them. on the losing end would, would stick with soccer, but they were so discouraged and disheartened <laughs> that was their by that 32 fault. to nothing loss. Man up. They're now brownies or Girl Scouts. Man or up. We All need right. to have Pat's now. wife on the podcast to tell the story of him yelling beat her down at the state meet, because I'm sure it wouldn't yeah. be told with the same <laughs> smile Pat had on his face when he just told that story. <laughs> beat them down. I, oh, I, them. I targeted oh, sorry. Beat sorry. Them. The whole the we're misquoting each down. other all podcast here. <laughs> So yeah, whatever, whatever. Now, as for the beer drinking, yes, yes Kalamazoo has many be- breweries. It's a brewery town. Bell's Brewery is the big one. Um, very successful. And then they have many others. And so then in between the games on these trips, if any, you know, many of our listeners ha- are involved in this stuff, you go uh, 
you know, you go get lunch, you drink some beers, you drink beers after. I went to the Arcadia Ales, very good, and the uh, One Well Brewery, which I had been to on past trips to uh, Kalamazoo uh, soccer weekends, and uh, both very good. But I still uh, got myself a, a bunch of Bush Light for for Saturday night at the at the hotel, uh, if only because on these, if you drink Bush Light, no one will, you know, guy, someone forgets their drink or needs one, they never drink yours. They just never. <laughs> Your stash like, what do you got? You got an extra one in there? Oh, yeah. Bushlight. That's All the right. same rationale of me being like, oh, I'm going to eat rotten hamburger at the barbecue because no one else will eat my rotten hamburger. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say this now. Okay. Now that, now that I was being a good dad class. and I'm getting crap from you two idiots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that you've joined the bourgeois class. Because we have seen you drinking Fiji water on this yeah. podcast. Fiji water is good. And now we know you have been to the craft breweries. Uh, are you just are you are you selling out completely no. to the to the upper class? No, no. I'm polite. No. I'm I'm not going to be like I'm sorry. I can't go to the Arcadia Ales and their wonderful facility. Okay, I have class, Pat. Yeah. And this I- is this is a request to Lindsay, our podcast producer. We need the screenshot of Dan drinking Fiji. So we can just randomly throw it out on Twitter when he when he Fiji fancies himself delicious. this everyman of you know of of bushlight middle America. We can we can catch him drinking seven dollar and fifty cent bottles of water. I think this is very important, Lindsay. Fiji water does not cost seven dollars. But second, I obviously have good taste, and bushlight fits right in with that. You guys are the ones who are getting suckered with the packaging. Packaging is what's driving up. You remember that Simpsons when he went to the Duff Brewery tour mm-hmm. and they had like Duff Light, Duff, Duff Ice, and it was all coming from the same spigot. That's <laughs> I can tell you this. Bell's Too Hearted does not taste like Bush Light. No. And I will take a taste test with you on that one if you want. Well, you can taste the difference. That doesn't mean it's necessarily which is better. No, I, I think it Whatever. is. Whatever. To it each is. their own. To each their own. Beat them down! <laughs> We're allegedly going to be taping a live podcast in sync uh, with the national title game being out in the Bay Area this year, and it's allegedly going to be at a brewery. So my challenge to Dan is, Uh-oh. if you're it's joining us for this light. podcast, to bring your own Bush Light to whatever brewery that we tape yeah. this at. Uh, that would be full yes. wrestling. Need, we need like to do that. this over in Oakland. I'm an East Bay guy. I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> All right. I love it. All, All right. right. Well, we'll we, we will give you temporary re- reprieve from full-out bourgeois status for now. Thank but you. All right. It's, well, you it's know, still TBD. I'm sure the listeners enjoyed this. This is clearly the most pressing issue <laughs> yes. of, of week whatever <laughs> we're in in college football. Uh, all right. Let's get to Stanford-Notre Dame. Always good rivalry. Incredibly intriguing this year. First time they have met uh, with both teams ranked in the top 10. And at this stage, they both have everything to play for, both undefeated, 4-0. Uh, usually, I look at these two programs. I, I think they're good programs. I think Notre Dame suffers from this, like, if we're not winning the title, it's a failure still idea when 10-2 and is a really good season. Same with Stanford, 10-2, and really good season. So I don't really ever see them as, like, top five contenders. However, I don't know that they're a top five team, but for both of them, the way the schedule is breaking – Look out. Start with Notre Dame. They have beaten Michigan. Uh, Actually look like a pretty decent team now, and there's a potential that is a high-quality win if what Michigan's done since then is indicative of what they can do in the Big Ten. 
They then play, they play Stanford this weekend, obviously. If they were to beat Stanford, Stanford could still win the Pac-12. That would be two huge victories. And then the rest of the way, what looked like a very difficult schedule just isn't. At Virginia Tech, they just lost Old Dominion. They probably just overlooked Old Dominion. They're pretty good, but still. At Northwestern is not a great game anymore. Florida State was a circle date. Not anymore. USC, at USC, very beatable uh, Trojan team. Irish will be favored the rest of the way. They only play 12, uh, so they would only have seven to go after the Stanford game. Uh, they have a route. Now, same thing with Stanford. They've already beaten uh, Oregon and uh, USC. They still have to go to at Washington, but they could easily run the table, win the big the Pac-12, and have a victory at Notre Dame. Um, Pat, where am I on this? Are these true playoff contenders because – the road is open to them as much as how good they're playing football. Yeah, I think you got a point, a better point there than with your beer. But uh, I, I really think that uh, the winner of this game is in good shape, especially if it's Notre Dame. Uh, because as you said, the rest of the schedule just doesn't match up to or, or to present any really, really difficult games. Uh, I'm not convinced Notre Dame is great, but Notre Dame could be 12-0. and And as you said, also the advantage of not having – a conference championship game, which other people would throw in the face of the Irish if it came to that, uh, if they're sitting there at the end of the season. But I, I think a 12-0 Notre Dame team with victories over, you know, if Stanford and Michigan continue to have good seasons uh, and, you know, maybe USC rounds into form and that's a quality opponent at the end there, I, they would be tough to overlook. Uh, Stanford, it's a little bit tougher, I think, because they do have to go at Washington and I think Washington's uh, maybe the best team in the Pac-12. Their one loss was was not a bad loss at Auburn. That's November third in Seattle. Uh, they've also they've got a couple other challenges, but but either one, if they if they get past this game, you can start thinking about it. You can start talking about it, and if you are a Notre Dame hater, you can start complaining about it. It is possible. You know, I think at the end of the day, this is a nice moment for these two programs. I don't think either of them is in any serious position to be a playoff contender. Now, certainly their schedules and resumes so far stack up. I just feel like they're both too flawed to really push the gauntlet through here. Now, you can argue Notre Dame plays no more ranked teams, so they'll be favored in every game and they should win. But also, I, I look back and I see they only scored 24 against a really bad Ball State team. They only scored 22 against Vanderbilt. They had to change their quarterback midstream, which was a good move by Brian Kelly. And I think we're overvaluing the fact they put 56 on Wake Forest, which then fired their defensive coordinator in, in the wake of it. You know, you can argue, oh, who's going to beat them? I just don't think a team where they are, especially offensively, can go run through and beat decent programs week after week after week with being pretty pedestrian. Would you agree, though, Pete, if they win this game, they, they theoretically could be favored? Oh, yeah. No, I game? think they will be. I don't even think there's any question. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Virginia Tech, Road, yeah, they'd be a five-point favorite. Pitt home, Navy, at Northwestern, Florida State, they'll be a three-touchdown favorite. Syracuse, I believe that game's in Yankee Stadium. And then at USC, I just feel like there's enough quality competition there that and I, I just don't have faith in the whole operation right now at Notre Dame to, to pull off 12-0. Um, it, it's hard going yeah. undefeated. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. It's why it's rarely done, even in leagues where a team is, is 
clearly superior. I'll say this about Stanford, Dan, and going undefeated. <clears throat> I feel like if you look back at the last, you know, the, from the BCS era on, every national title winner has had what I call a Clint Stoner moment. Remember the Arkansas's quarterback who just like dropped the ball on the ground and that led to Tennessee becoming national champion that year? Like you need a Bush push. You need something. And for Stanford, that was Mario Cristobal completely bungling the clock at the end of the Oregon game. Like, you need a little bit of luck along the way. I feel like we overanalyze college football so hardcore, you know, going into the opening few weeks that you forget in order to to get 11, 12 victories in a row, you need a little bit of serendipity and a little bit of fortuitiveness. And Mario Cristobal gift-wrapped that game with his end-of-game clock management, handed it to David Shaw, who gladly took it. And... I feel like if Stanford does get some juju going, they still got to win up at Washington, which is, which is going to be difficult. Um, you know, that would be their that would be sort of their karmic moment. Yeah, I, I think Stanford. I mean, again, I don't think either of these guys necessarily would do it, but if it, it's an unexpected that to me, maybe that both have this opportunity, yep. and uh, we'll see. Now, Notre Dame did make a bold play here. Brandon Wimbush was the starter last year. Uh, he did get them past Michigan, but that offense really wasn't that good. He and Book looked phenomenal in the blowout over Wake Forest. Uh, more traditional passer. I like a coach who makes this move early, not late. Like, I think Nick Saban almost blew it last year by not making the move at the right time. Um, but he, he ended up making it, and they, they win the national title. Uh, is this the spark that we don't quite know what what Notre Dame is, Pete? You think that was a good a good a good move or just a daring one by Brian? Kelly? I think it was a it was a really good move. Um, obviously, they went and hung fifty six on Wake. I almost think that said more about Wake than uh, than Notre Dame. What what book gives them is a little bit more of a passing game. I mean, Brandon Winbush came out of high school as one of the most talented players in the country, and he just simply hasn't developed, especially as a, as a passer. They needed his legs to beat Michigan. But overall, their offense got stuck in a rut because they, they, their passing game just wasn't competent in the, uh, in the two kind of ugly wins over, over Ball State and Vanderbilt. So I give, I give Brian Kelly credit, but we've seen enough of Ian Book to know that he's not exactly like a playoff title contending quarterback. All right. All right. Ohio State is at Penn State. This appears to be the game of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, either one. Uh, both teams will have to face Michigan and Michigan State in the Big Ten East. Still, Wisconsin out there as a title as a threat in the Big Ten title game. Um, but this is this is the huge match. I'm going to let you guys break this down. A high quality game uh, on the race for the case later this week. Uh, but let me ask this because it's it's a topic I wanted to get to and from from the summer and we're finally here. Um, CBSSports.com polled. Uh, college football coaches anonymously last summer and uh, with a bunch of different questions. And one of them was name the most overrated coach in the country. Okay. Now this was in the, in the middle of summer, it was a two, uh, the two guys tied for first place. One was Willie Taggart, the uh, first year coach at Florida state. The other was James Franklin, the Penn state's coach. Now uh, Taggart, uh, got the Oregon job and then boom, got to Florida State really quick. And obviously, doesn't he hasn't quite been able to handle the the program yet. James Franklin, though, to me, built his way up. Won at Vanderbilt and then won at Penn State. Yes, he is a salesman. Yes, I can see him kind of uh, annoying other coaches with his style. But overrated. What gives on this, Pat? Why 
why is a coach who's had success twice now and is in position for even more this weekend, uh, which would obviously be one of his biggest wins of his career, but not the, for, not maybe not the biggest. And they beat Ohio State a few years ago. Why is James Franklin uh, in the overrated category? Uh, it's garbage to me. I, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the anonymous polls because it just gives people a chance to be catty uh, and go after people they maybe don't like personally. Uh, professionally, it's awfully hard to back up. I mean, he won. He went to three straight bowl games at Vandy in his second and third years. They were both nine and four. That's impossible at Vandy. It hasn't been done before. It hasn't been done since. It's not likely to be done anytime soon. That's ridiculous. Goes to Penn State. Picks up some pieces Bill O'Brien had started to put into place. Uh, took a couple of years. But year three, they win 11 games. They win the Big Ten. They go to the Rose Bowl. What did Jim Harbaugh do in his third year? People talk about Harbaugh like he's the second coming. In his third year, he was doing what he did in his first and second years, finishing third or fourth in the Big Ten East. James Franklin was winning the Big Ten. Then he came back last year, 11 more wins. And they go to the Fiesta Bowl, and they win the Fiesta Bowl. So I, I see nothing but excellence so far from James Franklin. Uh, and then this year, you know, you lose Joe Moorhead, your offensive coordinator. You lose Saquon Barkley, the number three pick in the draft. Everybody's like, oh, well, now we'll see. Well, guess what? They're leading the nation in scoring right now. They are the number one scoring offense in football, uh, and they're 4-0, and they've got Penn State or Ohio State coming in for a huge game Saturday. So if anything, I would say he is underrated, not overrated. You know, when I when I look at James Franklin in the in sort of the sphere of college football coaches, Dan, I just think he's different and coaches don't like different. Football clings to what it was more than more than any other sport. And James Franklin is indicative of an evolution of the head coaching position. Just like Dabo Sweeney is, just like PJ Fleck is. I did a story this week on Yahoo about Will Healy, who authored the biggest turnaround in college football last year, bringing Austin P from 0 and eleven to eight and one in the FCS. And these guys are not your, you know, dog cussing old guard grinder X and O guys. They are they're a pinch of salesmen, like Pat said. They are recruiters. They are energy guys. They are faces of the program, and that offends the sensibilities of these anonymously polled coaches. And they also don't like that these guys who are doing it different are also kicking their tails. So I feel like that's how Franklin ended up there. But you cannot argue with his body of work. Vanderbilt had had a bad century until he showed up, and they they proceeded to they proceeded to revert right back to another potential bad century since he's left. So, I uh, I really just feel like it's different, and that scares people. And because it's not conventional, they feel like it's uh, they feel like it's it's threatening. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. I think uh, I agree. I don't get it. Uh, I think you can call him a lot of things if you really want, but. Um... Underrated is not one of them. Now, the game is going to be in Happy Valley. Uh, everyone will wear white, except for Buckeye fans. And then they'll have one section wearing uh, a big blue S. Uh, it is a whiteout. This is not a new trend in college football or for Penn State. But I don't know that anyone does it better than Penn State. I mean, it looks awesome. Um, the time I was there for a whiteout, they did it at night. It looked particularly awesome. This game is at night. Uh, it is an incredible uh, environment. You're tucked in the valley. You got Mount Nittany in the distance. It's a it's a cool area, um, cool little college town uh, to see a game. And this is obviously going to be the biggest game of the year there. Now, the Chicago Tribune, not, uh, 
not unique to the Chicago Tribune, but the Chicago Tribune recently did a ranking of the best game day environments in the Big Ten. Uh, now, we have all been to either, I think I've been to all Big Ten campuses. I've not seen a game in every Big Ten uh, campus, but I've seen most of them. I have not like been to Rutgers, uh, and I won't uh, <laughs> watch a Rutgers game. Just not anticipating it. Um, but I've been to most of the places. I've been to Rutgers uh, numerous times on their campus. Um, so I thought we could do this. Let's let's pick our our big our Big Ten thing, and then maybe we'll do the other conferences as the season goes on. So uh, Chicago Tribune had Penn State as number one game day environment in the Big Ten. They followed that by Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan would be what's that sixth? Six. All right, six. Six. Michigan State seven. Indiana eight. Minnesota, Northwestern, Purdue. I mean, this falls off pretty quick. Illinois, <laughs> Rutgers, and Maryland. Maryland comes in last. Rutgers beat Maryland in that. So there's a victory for Rutgers. Um, the one and only. Top of the list is great. Like, you want to go see a Big Ten game, go to one of those top teams. Bottom, not so good. Um, all right, Pete, what, what is your take on this? Uh, who are your top few, uh, or number one, and maybe a couple more, and if you have a particularly bad one? Uh, feel free to let us know. Uh, well, Dan, while you were uh, drinking craft beer with your pinky out in Kalamazoo on Sunday and Pat and I were working, uh, we actually had a, had a discussion that you would have enjoyed on the worst drives in college sports. Uh, the drives. Yeah, that, I, I heard that. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you listened. Um, yeah. And uh, I believe I picked the uh, beautiful route from uh, from Chicago to South Bend, uh, which includes scenic Gary. Pat picked Tallahassee to anywhere, which really is hard to argue with. Um, one of the most the, the, the worst one to me. Let me jump in on this was Jacksonville to Gainesville. OK, <laughs> Jacksonville to Gainesville. What about Jacksonville to Tallahassee? That's a highway. Okay, yeah. you get interstate. That Jacksonville to Gainesville, you take this back road through these very, very small towns. And the problem is, one of them, I believe, Stark, and maybe a couple more. Like, there's a town named Waldo there. Okay, <laughs> where's Waldo? This is where Waldo is. Okay, Waldo is, is I don't know. It's just there. Okay. <laughs> Stark has, is known for the speed trap. Okay, they the, the the and everyone warned me, so I I was aware, and I went through. But it's still amazing to see you're going. It's like you're going along speed limit fifty five, and all of a sudden speed limit ten. <laughs> you sure it wasn't five? Oh, and if if you're going thirteen through Stark, they'll get you. They will get <laughs> you. And okay, I, it's either in Stark or it's right near Stark. Is the Florida State Penitentiary, which is home to Florida's death row. Okay, so these guys down there. Not to be trifled with <laughs> when it comes to crime and punishment. And I thought about this when I was doing it, driving there. Like it would, it stinks getting a speeding ticket on some crap. Uh, should be illegal speed trap <laughs> in this godforsaken place. But imagine doing it as you're driving to watch someone get executed. <laughs> do you okay, watch like people get executed, Dan? Which, I don't think you watch. Which people do all the time. You can watch, yes, if you're the victim's family or the perpetrator's family, and they let some media. I've never seen a, an actual execution, but um, there's a bucket list, I guess. That's a conversation starter. Huh? What'd you do last week? Ah, I was 
<laughs> Watched old Sparky down execution. there and Stark take one took out. Notes. Yeah. Got um, a speeding ticket. All right. Anyway, this would be a very tumultuous moment. I mean, it's one thing you go to a football game, and then these guys are piling on insult to injury with a like a hundred dollar speeding ticket just for going thirteen miles an hour. So that's the worst drive going. Absolutely. Uh, if ja- don't drive if it. If you're in, in Jacksonville and you want to go to Gainesville, don't. <laughs> All right, I'll give you this much. If you are throwing in a visit to death row and a speeding ticket and possibly an execution, <laughs> that that may actually be worse than going to Tallahassee. Okay, there you but go. But it's Thank not you. a lot worse. <laughs> not a lot worse. All right. All right, go back, uh, Pete, to your, your picks here. Yes, yeah, so I bring up that topic of your delinquency, Dan, because I will be traversing Harrisburg to State College on Saturday, likely leaving in the morning, and then likely playing Frogger with the drunk drivers at about 2.30 a.m. on that 90-mile yeah. stretch back. So Sunday, if you're around for the overreaction podcast, I'm sure I'll be in a great mood um, You know, after I, after I get back to Harrisburg at 4.45 a.m. Um, but that said, that is why Penn State is not my number one environment school because you can't enjoy it because the logistics are so tortured to get there. Um, there's no, there's there's no decent hotel. There's just not enough hotels. Never mind decent ones. I don't need this anywhere. Nice. I just want something that's logistically feasible. So my number one is Madison. Um, I just feel like game day there pops. It's a cool town. There's great restaurants. I, I said this on an earlier podcast. Never have I been so tempted to not cover a game and just like ditch my laptop in my car and just go drink all day. Then when you just walk walk through that stretch of bars when you're going to the stadium in Madison, it just uh, yes, it is uh, it is is clearly rife with temptation for those of us who uh, put on a tie and have to go uh, have to go write 900 words. Um, but I just really feel like Madison and obviously the jump around in the stadium is is awesome there. And I just think it's a that's that's my favorite Big Ten trip and environment by far. Penn State a close second. It'll be awesome Saturday night. I, I certainly don't want my logistical complaints to get in the way of what a spectacle that the whiteout is and uh, will be. And then when I go through the rest of the Big Ten, I feel like I lump Ohio State and Michigan together a little bit. They're both awesome places to see games. Just the, the sheer enormity of those stadiums and the scale of it all is the most impressive part to me. I don't necessarily think either of them are like, particularly overtly charming but they're they're both awesome just places to watch games so I would I would tuck them right behind um and from there I I would put Iowa a little bit higher than uh, the Chicago Tribune had it um I feel like that there, there's some cool juice there and I've covered at least one game there maybe two and I've felt like it's raucous that that it's a very cozy stadium with the with the stands close to the sideline which I think is kind of a cool thing Opposing players in the Big Ten often talk about, you know, you can really hear the people in the stands and everything. I like that. There's a little old school feel to it. I have gone to Rutgers, Dan, uh, covered a Thursday night game, Syracuse at Rutgers when I was in college. I distinctly remember losing my car and like wandering around at two in the morning and not being able to find it oh, after yeah. uh, after filing. Um, it's at the, at the- at the parking lot of the Bada Bing, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, probably. I was probably trying to go find the grease trucks, which is the best thing yeah, about going right. going to a game at uh, at Rutgers. I would imagine that Buffalo game, from the accounts I read uh, from Steve Politi and others in the New Jersey media, did not have like a really, really scintillating environment. Great environment. There. I'm, I'm yeah. just gonna I'm just gonna guess that. Uh, and then there's a few places I really haven't gone in the Big Ten. So um, yeah, I, I saw the cross game at Maryland. That was uh, that was about it, and it probably doubles as just as good an environment for football. 
Yeah, probably beats it. Um, all right, Pat, who do you got there in your yeah, big Yeah, there are two problems, two problems with Pete there. One, he's putting on a tie to go to a game, and two, he's going to a lacrosse game. Both those things <laughs> I'd also to be like rectified. to say this is the second time he claims he doesn't drink before games. <laughs> okay, so he's kind of like he doth protest too much. A, yeah, right. And then B, yeah. what do you mean you lost your car, but you were sober? I mean, so this whole thing is. Uh, let's not even go there. We'll have to talk about that Rose Bowl. Yeah, well, that was our car was stolen podcast. by the Pasadena police. So yeah. We'll, we'll tell yeah. that story. There were no police involved in Piscataway yeah. that night. Another okay. day. Yeah. All right. Well, first of all, if Indiana's the eighth best in the Big Ten, then the bottom half is terrible because Indiana, there's nobody there. Uh, they, they don't go to the games. The stadium itself is charmless. You look out on a sea of gravel parking lot, and then maybe there's a hill in the background. No, a nice view of the basketball stadium. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, you get, you get a lovely view of Assembly Hall. Yeah, it's like terrific. a Grantland Rice Leaf outlined uh, on a gravel parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very lyrical. Shores of the wall. Uh, so eight down, forget it. Top seven, yes, really good. Uh, I would put Penn State number one. I, a logistical challenges understood i still think when you get there it's awesome uh love the state college as a college town love the stadium team driving in on the blue buses you know the whole thing there it's it's really good and and it, when it is a whiteout, when it is a night game it's it ramps it up even more i'd put wisconsin number two no problem there nebraska is overrated at number three yeah it is soviet era atmosphere <laughs> you've got your uh, gigantic square limestone buildings and your just masses of oppressive red. Wow. Uh, I don't, I fail to see much too outside nice of too. something that People Leonid Brezhnev nice. would enjoy. <laughs> uh, Iowa, I haven't been to, but the wave is the new best tradition in college football. I love that. Ohio State, I would put ahead of Michigan. Just I like the, the entry, the north end zone of, uh, of the stadium there, that big dome kind of arch area. That's really cool. That is some neat architecture there, and it's a good... Uh, focal point and place for people to meet up and stuff. Uh, Michigan, I like a lot, but that's, I, I would start with Penn state. And after you get past like Michigan, I, it, it's not a great, uh, not a great list. Yeah. Michigan state tries hard. It just, it's not going to crack that top six, but they do try hard. Um, Penn state to me, the, the logistics are a problem for us. Now I, I flew in once and did a, I think it was a Notre Dame night game there. And I had a 6am flight out of the little college uh, park university park airport it's like the airport State from College wings airport. there's like two gates it really is like you rent your car <laughs> yeah. i've flown in there a few few times and it's like yeah yeah yes mr wetzel your car is in uh spot one you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, we only have <laughs> six of them yeah you got six cars six, yeah it's like which gate are you at one or two um so but they had a six hour so instead of driving to harrisburg in there i just after the game after I was done writing, it's like 1.30 in the morning. I just went and, and, and dozed off in the Avis parking lot right there at the airport <laughs> and got up at 4, 5 o'clock and walked into the airport. Don't, you don't need a room. Uh, yeah, it stinks. So you're, you're never at ease there uh, unless no. you got a hotel room. But that is good. No, my favorite to me is Ohio State. I love Ohio Stadium. I love the I love the uh, the the sort of – I like the gray. I like the, 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 the concrete, the, the kind of – war feel like world war armory feel of ohio stadium uh the, and then they put in that the end zone seats it's so loud the place is just intimidating the fans are mean you got a good city a lot to do it's always gray there like scarlet and gray is perfect like it's rained at least misted at every ohio state football game since 1978 <laughs> never sunny 
Like, it's like, man, you are in Ohio. Like, we're just giving you a full dose of Ohio. I love Ohio Stadium. That's my favorite place to watch a game in the Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin, I would say, is two. Penn State, maybe three. Um, travel, not, not, uh, not a factor. I like Michigan. I think Michigan, when they put in the, the luxury boxes and the sides, made the stadium look better and kept the noise in. And it's just so huge. And if you're going to tailgate, they have golf courses right there. And the golf courses are incredible places to tailgate because it's, it's, you know, pretty. You're not just on the gravel lot. Yeah. Nebraska's too nice. Um, you know, the red balloons and all. Eh, okay. It's, just, it's Nebraska. It's hokey, but I guess I give it a little pass. Iowa, I've never seen a game there. The wave is obviously great. But um, uh, Iowa City's cool. But I, I, I think they're, they're, them and Nebraska are fighting for five and six. So th- those, are, those are my uh, – those are my picks. Now, Pat, you none of us yeah. chose Illinois, which also has one of those big old concrete stadiums, uh, but they don't have any fans. Um, uh, it is not a good game day environment. And uh, but you did see some excitement. You just were there for a game. Uh, please explain or detail the gas station brawl that you apparently yeah. witnessed. Yeah, no, you look. I mean, maybe I got to move Illinois up my rankings after this uh, little feistiness there. I had driven in. They were playing Penn State Friday night. Got off the interstate. Wanted to get gas because I was going to drive to Columbia, Missouri the next day for Georgia, Missouri. And uh, pulled in. Pretty sketchy uh, gas station in a pretty sketchy little area of town. You didn't know there were mean streets of Champagne, but I found them. Okay. Uh, and I'm filling up the gas tank. And there's a guy in a pickup uh, next to me there and he's waiting to pull up to the pump. And all of a sudden he's, he's talking to another guy and all of a sudden he just yells, Oh, there's a fight. You look inside and there are two women in there. They're not featherweights. They were not bantamweights. <laughs> they were super heavyweights oh boy. and they were throwing punches like you couldn't believe. I mean, going at it. Ronda Rousey would have been out in this crowd. Oh they were going, throwing big time blows. They ended up behind the cash register, throwing punches at each other. Naturally, the uh, the very supportive clientele there, instead of like breaking it up immediately, everybody pulled out their phones and started taking videotape yeah, of it. World star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a media world star viral video. Uh, and then they ended up in basically a stalemate, each of them <laughs> with two handfuls of the other one's hair, yanking each other's hair, kind of holding <laughs> each other off. And neither of them wanted to let go because they thought they might lose the advantage there. So that was the way it stood. Until somebody finally did call the cops, and that's when they skedaddled, and then seven uh, squad cars rolled up Neal Avenue. So it was very impressive. Did you tip so off Lovey Smith a- to the potential eligibility they might have had remaining? Yeah. <laughs> I should have. Yeah, I should have. They feisty. They could use some physicality on that uh, Illinois team. So there was a, cr- a criminal act, and you've abandoned it to not, and rather than be a witness for law enforcement. You are correct. 100% correct. I got in my car and said, I'm going to the stadium. I didn't see get nothing. Get me out of here. I didn't see nothing. Uh, yeah. I saw Snitches get stitches, Dan. Yeah, this, this is true. I saw a very good uh, hair pull fight between two women at a, uh, a bar in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, um, uh, which should probably be no surprise that there was this fight. Um, I think this is just, it was just a random Tuesday night. No, it was, it was, it was crowded. So these two get into it, and uh, you know I don't know how it started or whatever. It's the other side of the room, but uh, everyone's screaming, hollering, and they're 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 after each other, man. I mean, it's vicious. There's no, they get they get after it, and and they're pulling each other's hair, and eventually it gets broken up. But one girl comes out on top, and she's holding 
the hair extensions of the other one. Okay. And she starts (laughs) waving it around like a terrible towel from the Steelers games. Like victory. Right. I got that. I was was like, man, West Virginia bringing it. (laughs) Scalped. Yeah. So uh, you never know. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on the Illinois gas station scene. Uh, maybe that I see the Tribune did not calculate those things in. And I think that's where they flaw in their rankings were. See? Yeah. Right. You, we, we, we get boots on the ground where it's real there. Yeah. We, we come up with different yeah, we're, rankings. We're, we're real reporters. We get into the, the nooks and crannies of, uh, of, of big 10 coverage. Um, all right, look last year, Miami hurricanes, uh, busted out the turnover chain, uh, which was a lot of fun. You got a turnover, you get to wear the chain. Uh, other schools quickly, um, copied it mixed results um there were some good ones uh and there were some bad ones like butch jones at, at tennessee had the turnover garbage can um which i assume made sense uh when when <laughs> when first discussed but uh, looked like a visual for the entire program as things broke back <laughs> yeah. um this year we've had the uh fsu turnover backpack uh which does not make any sense to me um, I don't, I don't know. That looks like schoolwork or something. I don't want to do that. Uh, my secure uh, the bag, Dan. One. Come on, get with it. You could secure, secure the, the bag. bag with your Fiji water. What is the bag? It's it's a it's a phrase, Dan, in popular culture. Secure the bag. It's a backpack. It's not a bag. Yeah. They had a bag. <laughs> I don't like it. Not liking it. Uh, here's one I like, and I'll ask you guys your favorite. It's a little Uzi Vert and Gucci Mane song, by the way. Well, that's fine, but it's it's not a bag; it's a backpack. <laughs> okay, nobody says it's a, it's a backpack. Um, Oregon State, Oregon State, uh, they were handing out Snicker bars. Uh, defensive coordinator Tim Tebasar for a uh, turnover, uh, but uh, then they decided to abandon that, and they have gone with the they took the Miami turnover chain, and uh, due to the timber industry being big in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, according to Tibisar, he beavered it up, and they now have the turnover chainsaw, a chainsaw that they they start up, and you get to carry around if you uh, get the turnover. Now it looks extremely dangerous and ill-advised, of course. I mean, if only because it's crowded over there, and I don't know really how many college kids know much about how to operate a chainsaw. But there is not actually a chain on there. So it just it sounds and looks cool, but no one's technically going to get uh, chopped up. Uh, so, uh, Pat, what do you think? I like the, ch- the, the, the turnover chainsaw uh, much better than secure the bag. Uh, Pat, what do you think of, uh, of, the, uh, of the turnover chainsaw? Do you have a personal favorite of these gimmicks that have come up? Well, I, I am a beaver believer, at least when it comes to the chainsaw. I think that's fantastic. Uh, the only problem there, that team is so bad, I'm not sure how much time they're going to get to actually activate the uh, the chainsaw. So uh, going under the, the premise that if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing, I like Boise's turnover throne because that takes it to such a ridiculous extreme to have an actual literal throne on the sideline, uh, I think is, a, is an excellent touch. And it does, I will say this too about the uh, the chainsaw. Be careful what you have on the sidelines. There was a time in the early 2000s, Western Kentucky University used to have a sledgehammer on the sideline. And there was a brawl that broke out late in the game and somebody picked <laughs> up the sledgehammer what? and tried to use it on an opposing player. 
and the sledgehammer was banned from the sideline there. It's like the West Virginia Mountaineer gun, yeah. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Terrible. All right, yeah. Well, we do not want that uh, at all. I kind of wonder about the chainsaw. Like, what if it was in the SEC? Like, almost all the stadiums have some kind of hedges. Like, I know <laughs> – like George's between the hedges, but most of them have copied it in some way. Right. I mean, if you really put the chain on, you could just cut, start cutting, go tumor's corner on things. Just wipe out a, a sideline. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if we want gardening tools uh, on the side or uh, forestry. I don't know. Pete, what's your favorite one? Well, I'm down on the chainsaw a little bit. It's a little too Freddy Krueger for me. I just, I just feel like, uh, yeah, I, I, it's probably better. I pictured Tim Tebasar having like boxes of like dusty Snickers because they weren't able to force any turnovers. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a pinch too gimmicky. I don't know how much that's going to help you in recruiting. Um, I'm up with Memphis's Ric Flair robe. It's like the right amount of ridiculousness and yeah. yeah, no 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 real like local organic functionality. Like imagine sitting in like the the meeting and be like, I know. We'll get a chainsaw. Kids will love to hold a chainsaw over their head after a turnover. Like, I mean, it. Yeah, I just, I just can't imagine. There's, there's enough recruits in the timber regions of Oregon that that's really something that recruits are going to relate to. It's just a little. Creepy. I think. I, have you ever, have you ever operated a chainsaw? They're pretty fun. They are fun. I mean, See, I think they, you, that might actually work. You know, I was like, hey, yeah, go start this thing up. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. It's like I can. Just By the way, here's a little update. Uh, Turnover thrown five, turnover chainsaw four. So Boise State's thrown is getting a little more right. use than the than chainsaw so far. All right, all right. Well, good choices all around. All right. Uh, finally, uh, as regular listeners know, uh, we here at this podcast like to keep an eye on. Uh, it's a public service we do. We keep an eye on potential animal uprisings that 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 threaten human spot on the top of the food chain. Uh, we're very concerned the animals are organizing. Uh, to revolt. And uh, boy, uh, do we have a report here. Uh, the Boston Globe, and, and this here is the headline, um, quote, here's why there are dead squirrels all over the place, end quote. I will click on that 100% of the time. You got me, yeah. Boston Globe. You got me. Um, apparently, there are dead squirrels littering the highways of the Northeast. Uh, this from Bill Boynton of the New Hampshire Department of Transportation. Quote, I don't have any body counts, so to speak, <laughs> but our maintenance forces have been kept pretty busy. Okay. They're just dead uh, squirrels. Cars are hitting. There's an overabundance of squirrels. The Globe reports. The reason wildlife experts say is an unprecedented boom in the squirrel populations throughout New England, most particularly New Hampshire, fueled by a recent abundance of acorns. <laughs> okay. Uh, the bushy tail creatures have been ubiquitous this year, filling forests, eradicating fruit trees of apples and peaches and running rampant through residential neighborhoods. And that's when I get scared. If there's a pack of squirrels coming at me. Mark Ellingwood, a wildlife biologist with the New Hampshire Fish and Game uh, Department, dubbed it Squirrel NATO. I love these guys. <laughs> like, this guy's sitting around. Like, how often is he getting quoted, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you expect this big chance. Right. You expect this from, like, like you know, if you're, like, 
Sarah Sanders at the White House. Like, hey, I talk, I got to have a one-liner here. I talk to the media every day, right? This guy's just in some little cabin in, like, inside of Lake Winnipesaukee. And he's got his Squirrel NATO line queued up. All right. Um, previously, turkeys were, wild turkeys were overtaking Foxborough. We do believe Bill Belichick scared them away. Um, we haven't heard a lot about that. Pete, you live in Boston, not so far from New Hampshire. Are you worried about a squirrel NATO affecting your life? I live in a more urban area of Boston in like South Boston Seaport, Dan. So I have not seen the influx of squirrels. I have not been threatened walking down the street. I have not mm-hmm. seen the carcasses. That's, that's, the, that's what they're going to. That's how they get you. <laughs> yeah, no. no now I, I will walk with head on a swivel, right? Like, I will walk <laughs> completely right. paranoid through the streets of Boston now, knowing that this imminent threat rises. And, uh, yes, I, I think our listeners will be pleased that we actually haven't talked about football on the podcast yet today. So yeah, There was a, a couple minutes there, maybe 30 seconds. Uh, yeah. Pat, would a squirrel, uh, a squirrel NATO scare you? Well, yeah, it absolutely would. But here in Kentucky, we are... We're, we're well armed to take care of that, quite literally, because if you've noticed, <laughs> the University of Kentucky rifle team is a national no. powerhouse. They are the defending national champions in rifle, and uh, they're up always in the top five. There are probably only five schools that do this, it, this, but this, they're always in the top just five. Quickly on and, rifle, uh, just quickly on college rifle. Uh, this, yeah. this, this result concerns me every year. <laughs> Either Kentucky or West Virginia wins the dang rifle title. And yep. I am horrified at this because the champion every year should be the United States Military Academy. We do not need these guys in Kentucky and West Virginia running around who can shoot better than our damn army. <laughs> we need to fire the army <laughs> rifle. I mean, what is going on? An army. when Clean you, house, an army You rifle. cannot beat the Kentucky rifle team. You have the well, best equipment. Why. You have here's the why. best recruiting pitch. I'll tell you why. All right. Because, all right, look, what do they do in the Army? They train to shoot other people, right? True. Well, it's harder to shoot a squirrel. And here they're <laughs> shooting squirrels. It's squirrel season right now in Kentucky. West Virginia, they're shooting squirrels. People are out there. You know, those things are tricky. They're little. They're shifty. <laughs> they hide. They climb trees. People can't be that elusive. So we've got we've got better training for our rifle men and women here in Kentucky than we do at the military. Maybe we camp. could have an NCA rifle regional or, or like UNH <laughs> could get an invitational going and solve the yeah. squirrel NATO <laughs> while having a little intercollegiate athletics. <laughs> That's right. Brilliant. Unleash right the there. Kentucky, West Virginia army. Anyone else could just have freelancers get up there. I just take I think out. that's why they're stealing cheese graters in Kentucky, Dan. It's to fight <laughs> off the <laughs> oh, squirrel no. influx. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, That's you gotta right. do it. We're ready for anything. All right. I think we did talk more squirrel. Uh, I mean, rifley, riflery. Yes. Um, no, it's a sport. It's, it's a sport. sport. Yeah, it's a you sport. Know, it's We're college, Yahoo Sports College Podcast. That's right. It's the college podcast. Doesn't say anything <laughs> about sports. Well, it does say sports in there. Yeah. <laughs> we only got four words. Anyway, uh, subscribe so you don't miss other uh, riveting conversations like this. Leave us a good review. Um, Race for the case will be more football oriented uh, later this week. The overreaction podcast that comes on Monday, a little more football. This one uh, got a little off the rails here, but uh, we appreciate you uh, listening all the way through. Uh, So please subscribe, give us a good uh, review, and uh, share on social media and tell your friends. Uh, Talk to you guys soon.